0: along in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you're new here, we are preaching through the book of 1 Corinthians, we, this is the fifth sermon, and we are looking at the whole concept of understanding God. I know what the Bible says in Psalm 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament His handiwork. Romans chapter 1 says that we can understand that He's supernatural. That He is really above us. And we can understand that He's powerful, again, by what we see around us. But the truth of the matter is... God is not fully revealed in simply the things that he does, the things we can see. He needs to reveal himself by what theologians call special revelation. Now, you know what that is. You may say, I never heard of that before. This is special revelation. See, you might know something about me, you might have had somebody tell you something about me, but unless I sat down and said, here's how I'm thinking, here's what I do, here's who I am, here's how I feel, think, whatever, you really wouldn't know me. But you'd know things about me. Well, we can know things about God by just looking around us. On the other hand, we don't know the character and the nature and the thoughts and the will of God unless he specifically, specially tells us. That's what we're going to look at today. We're not going to look at the big one. I don't know if you know this. You probably do. Uh, A lot of you young people know a lot more about this than I do. But in this room right now are all kinds of sound waves. But you don't know it. You see, the airport down here has a frequency that they broadcast on. Those waves are coming through here, but unless you have something that a pilot has on his plane, you're not going to hear them, or they have in the tower. There are AM waves going through there, there are FM waves going through here, here, short waves, long waves, ham waves. Uh, If anybody has a CB yet, there might be CB waves going through here. In fact is, those waves are going through at all times, but unless you have a receiver, they do you absolutely positively no good. It's interesting, and I don't know if anybody remembers this, but when we first built this building and we put the sound system in, and I'm not exaggerating this, coming out of the speakers on this side, that one channel, we had a radio station coming out, and on the other side we had one. One was hard rock, I can't remember what the other one was. But they were coming out, and we didn't even have a a radio turned on. But it the, somehow or the other was acting like an antenna and was actually broadcasting. It wasn't loud, but it was annoying. And I think we had to put shielded wires in or something to get rid of that. I was in Moldova a few years ago, and I wanted to use my laptop. Well, they didn't have a central Wi-Fi, but I found out that if I went to a certain place in my room, turned the Wi-Fi on... I get the Wi-Fi waves from a hotel that was a, like a block or so down, I could actually pick it up and use my laptop and get on the Internet. Why? Because the waves would coming, But they didn't do me any good unless I had a laptop that would actually pick them up. I re- Some of you remember, the first service all remembered this. Remember when? How many of you remember when car radios only were AM? How many remember when you could only get four stations? <laughs> I remember those too, you, And they were all staticky. But here's the funny thing. You could get the Harrisburg Station. You could get the Lebanon Station. And you can get WWVA Wheeling, West Virginia, which is, I don't know how far away. It's a ways away, but you could get it. And you could get WBZ Boston, Massachusetts. I don't know how it works. But the thing is, that was the only thing you could get at nighttime. I remember... uh, The Wheeling, West Virginia, one—they'd be. I'm like, this is really curious because they would announcing the mine closings and when the mines were opening up for the workers to come in. I mean, stuff like that. You go, who cares about that? Well, here's the poor purpose of this: is if I didn't have a radio, that would have done nothing. But the point is, you're actually listening to me through waves because I'm not connected to anything. Somewhere back there, there's an antenna; it's broadcasting. But you know what? Unless they were putting up through here, it wouldn't do you any good. The point is, God is real, and he has expressed himself. But you know what? Naturally, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're spiritually appraised. And today we're going to look at that concept. Most of the time when we talk about God's revelation, which simply means unveiling himself, making himself known to us, we turn to other passages of Scripture. We're going to do that today just by way of of a a sideline. But today we're going to look at four different points. Number one, and most of us already know this, we kind of touched on it before, is that we know God because of Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. That's the first point. The second thing we're going to look at is we don't understand God just by our natural facilities, our natural abilities. We don't understand God. And then we're going to look at inspiration and illumination. We will look at each one of those this morning and we will end with what I believe is a very encouraging verse. Uh, at the very end of this chapter. So I'm going to plan to look at 16 verses in the next uh, 25 minutes or so. So if you would follow along, and we're going to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. It says there, "...and when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God." This is the truth of God, it is the witness, it's the word martyr. It means this is the truth, there is no plan B, it's an eyewitness, it is something that is a verifiable piece of information. It says, I came proclaiming the testimony, the witness of God, no plan B, no alternative. It's not that this is this truth and somebody else has another truth. This is the truth. And it goes on to say, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Notice, we understand, and he said, I am limiting what I'm doing so that you don't get confused. I want you to know that the basis of what I'm saying is Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. Now, the Bible talks about all kinds of subjects, but he said, I want to be clear. I don't want you to get inside issues. I want you to understand the basics of what I'm saying always comes back to Christ. When people ask me, what kind of a church do you, are you the pastor of? I say, we're Bible-based and Christ-centered. If you want to know anything more about us, you've got to show up. That's pretty much it. What we, you know, we say what we believe when we believe what we say. It's just pretty straightforward. The point is, that's what Paul did. I, I kind of like it that I'm in the same direction he is. It's like, no, we need to keep Christ in the center. And the word of God is only our our only basis. But that's what we need to do. And he said, that's what I did. Because that's how we understand. He is God in the flesh. He lived among us. He demonstrated what it looks like to live a perfect life. And then he demonstrated what it's like To carry out a perfect love. Because he had no need to die on the cross. Except for us. Not for himself. But for us. Going on. It says, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not persuasive words of wisdom. But in demonstration of the spirit and power. Now notice we've already talked about God. God the Father. Now we're talking about God the Holy Spirit. And it says... The only reason anything took effect in your life is because the Holy Spirit was doing the work in power. Notice what he said. He didn't say, I'm a great pastor, I'm a great missionary, I'm a great apostle, and I am going to persuade you. This is the way it is. No, he said, hold it a second. Here's what it comes down to. I am saying what I need to say, but the Holy Spirit is doing the work. Without the Holy Spirit's work, Nothing is going to actually happen. And then it goes on to say in verse five, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men. Remember, they were taking sides to say, I'm a Paul, I'm a Papalus, I'm of Cephas, you know, I'm of Christ. He says, No, 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 don't want any of that stuff. I want you to understand that it's not, oh, I go to that church or I listen to that speaker because they're just a great speaker. No, it's the power of God in Christ in the, by the, word, the Spirit's working. And then he he says, but it rests on the power of God. It's not man's intellect. It's not some fancy thing we do. It's not new carpet. It's none of those things. It is simply that he presented Christ. That's the focus. That's the focus. And the Holy Spirit takes that and makes it real to people's lives. I'm going to tell you, the next part we're going to look at says "To to the world, this makes no sense. Because God is not understood by the world's ways, we'll pick that up as we get to verse six. It says, "Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature." And when it says "those that are mature," the word "mature" there means those that are complete. So it has a couple of things that go with that. <clears throat> a complete person, the way this is used here, is someone who has trusted Christ as their Savior. They have had a changed life they've been born again their sins have been forgiven they're no longer heading to hell they're no longer doing their own thing but they're heading to heaven and they have a new life because christ has changed their life so <clears throat> they are a mature person they they've come to completeness. And if you follow along and you go through not only this chapter, but the rest of it, you would find that a spiritual person is one who has taken those things and put them into practice in their life, and it's made a difference. That's a spiritual person. They're mature. They're complete. But it starts out by a spiritual birth and grows from there. And it says, we preach uh, wisdom to those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age. Not of, we say, uh, in this day and age. Well, that's this word here, this time period. And he says, this is something, a wisdom that the rulers of this age who are passing away, they, they didn't know about it. It's not of this age. You cannot fully explain God and his will and his direction by just a test tube. Or observation. Because guess what? You can learn a lot of things about God. You can understand that he's a perfectionist. I mean, he does everything right. You can, And you can see he's all powerful. You can see those kinds of things. He's supernatural. But you cannot understand it all. This world tries to define God. And when they come up short, they just quit. There's a problem with that because God is not of this world it's not man's thinking it's supernatural and you can do all the experimentations you can have all the philosophies you can have all the wisdom and all the teaching you read all the books and write all the books you do all of those things not necessarily anything wrong with any of those but you will never come to fully understand God because it's not of this world. By the way, this comes and goes. I've been around now. I'm getting really close to the old geezer age because I got less than a month now till I'm going to be 65. I'll tell you what, I'm... A few years ago, the doctor told me, act your age, and I've been trying to do that, but that's not fun. It's just not good. But anyway, the thing is, I've been around long enough to know that I've seen the pendulum go over here and then go over here, and it's like, this is how everything works. Oh, no, oh, we, we were mistaken. Okay, well, now we're over here. You know, and it's going back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. You never know what, what it's going to be this time. Point is, it's passing away. But he goes on to say we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before uh, the ages for our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They would not have crucified Christ. This is Jehovah from the Old Testament. They wouldn't have done that. They would have recognized that Jesus Christ was God and they did not. You see, that doesn't come from human wisdom. It's much more than that. Now, don't be fooled by this word mystery. Because we think a mystery is like you read a mystery novel or a a mystery movie or something like that. But this is simply this. Mystery, the way the Bible uses it, is information that has not yet been fully explained. That's, That's all you need to know about that word. It's a hidden wisdom... A wisdom that is not humanly discerned. Notice that's what it says. A hidden wisdom that was before the glory. It wasn't of the rulers of this age. So it's something that has to come to you by special revelation. This world would not fully explain it. That's the whole point. Is Paul is saying it can't be human wisdom. And it's not going to be fancy words. And it's not going to be twisting somebody's arm it just does not work that way you have to see it from god's point of view peter and i had the privilege on friday we went to i'll I'll keep the name of the store out but uh, you can pray for joe joe was the salesman where we bought the couch for in the new the new couch for the nursery and we spent a half an hour talking to joe he, he, he was sitting, he said, my back hurts. He sat down on the couch we were buying, and he said, he, he is disgusting. We went over the gospel with him several times, and his wisdom, nice guy, interested in spiritual things, but here's what it came down to. If I'm loving or somebody's loving enough, they're going to go to heaven. He went so far, he said that, then he went so far as to say that, well, kind of every religion leads to heaven. Oh, except Muslims because they're a religion of hate, I think he said, or something like that. And I just laughed. I laughed out loud. I said, you don't understand. And so we talked to him, and we told him that it's only by Christ. And and we went over. And finally, we had to go, and we, he had to go, and we had to go. And I said, would you read a book? And so I actually, uh, Kabi and I went back later in the afternoon, and uh, we took a stranger on the road to Emmaus book. And he told us he would read it because he reads every lunchtime. And uh, so I'm hoping to hear from him. I gave him a tract and a few other things with my phone number on. I'm hoping to hear from him again. But you know what? He had worldly wisdom. He said, if I'm good enough, I go up. If I'm not, well, I'll go down. But do you ever notice that in the worldly wisdom, nobody says, I'm going down? It's not true. I actually did have one person. This guy was in Satanism, and I witnessed to him, and he said, well, hell is just a big party given for the demons for their friends. So I and he had grown up in Sunday school in a church that taught the Bible. And I said, here's what hell was like. And he went, oh, I never thought about it that way. Because he thought hell was something where the demons were in charge. He actually was the only person I can remember of that said, Yeah, I know I'm going to hell, and I really am okay with that. Until I started explaining to him what hell was. And then he started changing his mind a little bit. But the point is, most of us, worldly wisdom says, I'm good enough. Now my neighbor, the person sitting on the other end of the pew here, maybe them. But not me. I'm okay. That's worldly wisdom. That it just doesn't work. But here's what we do need to know is that in this world, people on their own do not understand spiritual things. There's a number of reasons. I'm just going to use one of them today. And that is this, what's in front of you. It says, if, even if our gospel, the good news, is veiled or hidden, it is only hidden or veiled to those who are perishing, unbelievers. In whose case the God of this world, who's that? Satan, the devil. The God of this world, the, uh, Satan, has blinded their minds so that they might not see the light of the good gospel of the glory of christ who is the image of god you know what they have an enemy who is blinding them it's the bottom line our own nature does that but they also have an enemy satan who does exactly the same thing but what do we need we need to understand god by inspired scriptures now listen I hope that when you come to Garden Chapel and you hear a sermon or a Sunday school lesson or you sing some songs, you're inspired and you want to go out from here and serve the Lord. I hope that's true. That is not what we're talking about. That's inspiring. But the Bible is not simply inspiring. It's inspired. That's a different word. In fact, as most of us know this verse. 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 simply says all scripture is inspired by God and then it goes on to give us what it's good for but if you notice the last line there it simply says God breathed or God spoken the word inspired is a kind of made-up word in Greek of two words it's theos God and the word for spoken or the to speak so it's God spoken. So when we say the Bible is inspired, what we're saying is not inspiring like a painting or a movie or a book or, or a conversation or whatever it happened to be, but it is God's very words. That's what inspired means. In fact, is a lot of people go, okay, I understand that, but you got to look at this verse. These two verses, actually. This verse gives a lot of people heartburn. You've heard this. I've heard it. Well, that's your interpretation. I'll be, they'll be asking a biblical question. I will show them in the Bible where it is, and I'll say this is what it means. And they go, well, that's your opinion. And that is to shut you down to say you don't know what you're talking about. Now, how many of you had that happen to you? Yeah, lots of it. If you talk to people about the Bible, well, that's your opinion. That's your interpretation. Well, guess what? The only way you know what a word means, and by the way, this word, getting it from Greek to English, is not easy. So that's what we're going to do. But remember, context is king. This, these two verses absolutely explain themselves. Because the version I use uses the word interpretation, and so that causes some confusion. But let's look at it. But know this first of all: that no prophecy, by the way, a prophecy is something spoken directly from God. No thing directly given by God—that's uh, of Scripture—is a matter of one's own personal interpretation or one's own interpretation. Let's say, see, that's your interpretation. But look what it says, and this is how you know what it actually means. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. So we cannot be talking about something that is only human origin. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Guess what? That last three words, spoke from God, is the exact same concept as inspired. It is God-spoken. But here's what it comes down to. The Apostle Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, Solomon wrote books. David wrote the books. And you could go James and John and others wrote books. Are they their own personal interpretations? The answer is no. You see, the word interpretation that's used here simply means production. They didn't produce it. Did they write down those words? Did they use their own language? Did they use the, the verbiage that they were familiar with and their own personality and all those? Absolutely. You check it out. Paul's writings are different than John's or James's. or, or And David's is very different than everybody else's. Solomon's is even different than his father's. The point is this. This says these men were moved, carried along by the Holy Spirit. That word carried along, I mean moved, is, is translated carried along in Acts, where it says this, the, a sailing ship was caught in a wind, and the wind carried it along. Now the, the boat was moving, and they were trying to steer the thing. But you know what? The Holy Spirit, in this case the wind, overrode it. That's what this is talking about and when we talk about that we need special revelation the only way we can have that special revelation is that god is very precisely giving his ideas his thoughts his will and his information that he wants us to know about himself and everything else he is giving it to the word, the people that write it down i like to say that we say the writers of scripture the penmen they were the ones writing it down but, at the same time, they were each unique, but it landed up being spoken from God, inspired that's what we're looking at. A lot of times we don't see that in this passage, but that's what it is. so let's look at what it says. It says there, but just as it is written, things which the eye has not have yeah, which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard and have not entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. Notice, you're not going to get this special revelation simply because you look around. You keep your ears open. I'll tell you what, I'm not a romantic, but I'll tell you what, my wife and I still, if we look out the window in the evening, and we go, Paul, or I'll go, Faye, look out the window. I still really like to see a sunset. Anybody with me there? Yeah, and you go, wow, these things just don't happen by themselves. You know, we, we do those things. And it says, you know, you hear a bird singing or you hear Deb playing the organ or whatever it happens to be. And you go, wow, that's beautiful. You know, and it's like there's, there's uh, order and, and all these things. Something's got to be greater than this. The point is, that never is going to fully explain God. It has to come by way of inspiration. Even the the greatest minds in all the world cannot put this together. Verse 10 goes on to say, For to us, and I believe that's Paul and the apostles, the one that that wrote the New Testament, God revealed them through the Spirit. Notice we just saw that. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So the Spirit can reveal them because he intimately knows the mind of God. Oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit is God and he can reveal them to us that special revelation and so these things are no longer hidden verse 11 goes on to say for who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of man which is in him does it really irritate you when somebody goes i know what you're thinking my wife's not here so i can say that i know what you're thinking about this or i know what you're going to say does that irritate you i'll put my hand up yeah Oh, kids are putting their hand up because your parents do know what you were thinking. No, I'm just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, because you go, hold it, nobody knows what I'm thinking except me. There, you might have an idea, but we only know. He says, you know, the spirit of man, only on that. But now look what it says. And no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. You can't know that on your own, just like you can't know what somebody else is thinking. I've said this before, but I'm glad I don't know what you're thinking, and I'm glad you don't know what I think at times. But you know what? We want to know what God says. And it goes on to say, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know things freely given us by God. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say, Which things we, him and the others, the apostles, We also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom. The apostle Paul was as learned a man as you're going to get. He had the greatest teacher, greatest Jewish teacher of all times, Gamaliel. He had the highest credentials as a lawyer and a Pharisee and all those kinds of things. He was a politician. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. He had it all going for him. And he says, nope, that's not where it comes from. I know the Old Testament, he probably can memorize most had most of it memorized. He says, but they're not taught by human wisdom, and they're, but they are taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. He's saying, God's thoughts, putting them into words. That's what inspiration is. We need that. And the Apostle Paul says, I'm coming to a church that's messed up. And I want you to know that I'm not coming and giving you one more. Greek philosopher's ideas. What I'm bringing you is God's words. Literal God-breathed, God-spoken words. Those things that the Spirit moved people to write that were spoken from God. He's making that clear. We have, and and we're going to come to this at the end, we have the mind of Christ. I'll tell you what, that ought to be encouraging because this world does not understand that but you need to know that. But there's a second point that we want to look at, and that is the word illumination. A number of men from this church um, and the servant board decided that we needed some real lights out in the parking lot of the church here. The Big old black spots always been there from the very beginning. Uh, I've, I've jokingly said the, the parking lot lights used to be you had to hold up a candle to see if the lights were on. That's how bad they were. So a little while ago... Uh, they decided to put LEDs up there. If you come in here at nighttime, you can get blinded by the things. That's how bright they are. But you know what? <laughs> when, the guy, when the salesman came, I, I was the one that looked at him. He said to me, don't look at this. He had a, a sample. He, he, he was going to plug it in. He said, don't look at it. <laughs> man, oh, man, I looked at that thing, and it's like wham. It was like an old flashball bright in your eyes. It was crazy. But you know what? That's illumination. Everything was always there, but when you light it up, now you see it. So here's where, here's where illumination. Inspiration says God's revealed these things. But illumination says even though God has specially revealed these things, you still don't understand it if the Holy Spirit isn't taking those things and making them real in your life. Let's face it. We were all born spiritually dead. We needed spiritual life. That's the new birth. That's born again. Well, that's what we need. That's where it starts. And then it goes on to say that his spirit uh, works with our spirit to prove to us that we're the children of God. Without the Holy Spirit, we're in trouble. Let me, let me do this very quickly. Some people don't understand this, but I'm just going to emphasize three words out of 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Because it simply says here God is going to entirely preserve us, complete, without blame, at the, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says he's going to preserve three things spirit, soul, and body. I'm not getting into deep theology here, simply this. There are three parts to man. Very quickly. All of you, I'm looking out, I see your bodies. I can identify. There's Mike, crick there's Nick. You know, I can go right across there and I can say, "Well, how do I know that? I don't see your soul and I don't see your spirit, but I sure do see your face." And if I was the FBI, I could get your fingerprints. You know, and that would identify. It's physical. It help. It helps us. It makes it possible for us to relate to a physical world. So we all have a physical body. The soul is the part of you that we say is the real you. It's where your personality is. It's your intellect. It's your emotions. It's your will. It's your conscience. All of those things. Here's what it comes down to. It makes it possible for us to interact with each other. Communication and all those kinds of things are a part of that. This, these, each one of these is a whole series of sermons on its own. And then there's the spirit. Here's what the Bible says. We're born dead in our trespasses and sins. We need a spiritual birth. Because guess what? Death doesn't mean our spirit doesn't exist. Remember, you all know this because you've been, well, maybe not everybody does. But when you see the word death in the Bible, simply do this. Put the word separation or separated there. Because we were born spiritually dead, spiritually separated from God. Our human spirit was not connected to God's Holy Spirit. And so, when you have a spiritual birth, your human spirit is now united with God's Holy Spirit, and it makes, our spirit makes it possible for us to relate to God. Again, I said these are a whole series of sermons in each one of these, but... Oops, I'm ahead of myself now. But we need to understand that God is working in us, and he wants to illuminate us. Look what it says in verse 14. But the natural man, that's, by the way, the soul man, if you want to know where soul man comes from, right there it is, it, that's talking about the natural, just plain, a regular person, without this Holy Spirit changing them. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness to him. He cannot understand. Why? Because they're spiritually appraised. That word appraised simply means judged or decided upon. To go back and judge, to check it out, if you will. He says, but he who is spiritual, the person who's been made alive spiritually, their human spirit is now in connection with God's Holy Spirit. That person can appraise all things, Yet he himself is appraised by no one. I'm going to tell you, if you try to live the spiritual life on the opinions and thoughts of those around you, you're in trouble. You know what? Our inspiration, our revelation is here. Not what my neighbor thinks, not what my wife thinks, not what you think. it it just doesn't come out does it matter that others have an opinion and can we learn from them of course of course but you know what they're not the one that control our lives it's the illumination when the holy spirit takes the truth of the word of god that's inspired and makes it real in my life that's the bottom line i can tell you i'm 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 not any different than anybody else but I have studied a passage of scripture, I have looked at it, I've looked up all the words, I've I've parsed out the verbs in Greek, I've done all that, and then I got a comment, I slowly understand, I got comments, read what other people said, and when I was done, I was more confused than ever. And you know what? I can honestly tell you, doesn't make me smarter than anybody else, but I can honestly tell me tell you that sometimes it's late Saturday night or early Sunday morning when I go over my sermon while I'm eating my banana and drinking my coffee. All of a sudden it's like, oh, it makes sense. Not because I'm smart. I'll guarantee you I'm not. I think I'm diligent and a few other things, but I'm not really smart. But the Holy Spirit takes that and says, Paul, this is what I'm telling you. Oh, I, I, I mean, literally, I think my wife could hear me upstairs a few times on a Sunday morning. It's like, no, I get it. Here I am. I, I, I knew what it said, but all of a sudden it makes sense. That's illumination. It's illumination. I may not be perfect on it, but I sure understand it better than I did a few minutes ago. That's illumination. And I'm not dependent on what somebody else thinks. Because I have uh, the ability, because the Holy Spirit's living in me, working with my spirit, to be able to um, understand what it says. I already started quoting, and uh, I didn't give you the reference, But in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says this. The Spirit, that's referring to the Holy Spirit, himself testifies with our spirit. So there's the Holy Spirit and our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, that's not talking about doing a sermon or something like that or studying the Bible. But it's simply saying that the Holy Spirit is the one that works with our human spirit. That's our spiritual connection. Now, the last part, and I had already skipped there, but now we're going to go there. This last verse, I hope this leaves you today with a real, real encouragement. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? Now, two of my children are sitting here, so, well, let's just say the next two illustrations that are real quick will encourage them probably never to come back again. No, I'm just, no it's not that bad. Amy, you're first, okay. I remember Amy uh, had the idea that she knew more than mom and dad. Now, you understand, who has known the mind of the Lord that we instruct him? A lot of times, we, we don't tell God what to do. Well, kids, I had somebody earlier in the early service. I, I said, do you need a neck brace? Because they were going like this. Yeah, I understand that, because they have a 14-year-old daughter. Uh, and they knew exactly But I remember Amy thought she knew more than we did. And I remember I was this close to her nose. I was not yelling and screaming or out of control. I was just that close. Remember this, Amy? Yep. (laughs) And I just said, Amy, you do not have to agree with us. You don't have to understand it. You just need to do it. And when you have a 13-year-old daughter, you'll begin to understand what I'm talking about. And that, that had a good ending. And then a little while later, another child of ours was learning to drive now don't take this and I am not placing myself in the position of God but I told him to turn and he decided he didn't want to and I said pull over and I said if you ever want to drive a car again and this may not be exact quote but if you ever want to drive a car again if I tell you to slam on the brakes in the middle of the lane you better slam on the brakes because guess what You know nothing. I am the expert. You know nothing. I am God with a small g. Whatever I tell you, you better do. You know what? Now, that's funny, and you can understand that. I did the same thing to my parents. So, kids, I'm not picking on you. It's just kids do these things. But you know what? We do this. Oh, the Buckner kids know that too? (laughs) She was back there laughing, so it's probably true, okay? Okay, so we all understand this. But you know what? We try to tell God what to do, and God says, oh, no, I didn't ask your opinion. I've told you what is true. If I want your opinion, I'll ask you, but I guarantee you he hasn't asked my opinion, and I'm going to tell you he didn't ask your opinion unless you're somebody that I don't know about. But you know what? Here's the cool thing. And this is what I want you to leave with. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the inspired word of God. And we have the illumination of the Holy Spirit. We can know what God is thinking. And if you know what God is thinking, you know what? You know where to take the next step. And you know how to bring that next word out of your mouth. And you know which, what direction your mind should be going. You see, he hasn't left here, us here a bunch of orphans. He hasn't left us without instruction and direction and encouragement and all those other things. He has given us everything we need to take the next step, to make the next move, to make the next decision. We have the mind of Christ. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's what we have. The mind of Christ. He didn't ask your opinion. He said, no, here's the way it works. Here's how how this life works. Here's how spiritual things work. Here's how you make the choices to take the next step. You can leave here and go, you know what? I can live the life God wants me to live because I have the mind of Christ. Inspired word of God, the person of Christ. Both of those, the living and the written word of Christ. And I also have the Holy Spirit who takes those things and makes them real in my life. Wow. Wow. To me, I don't know about you, but that is an encouragement to me. I hope it's an encouragement to you as you leave here. Let the Holy Spirit speak from the Word of God. I pray that every time I counsel with somebody. Lord, help us to understand your principles and put them into practice and help us to follow the leading. I could use the word illumination of the Holy Spirit. Let's all stand together as we close. Father, what a joy it is to know that you haven't left us without information. And you haven't left us without counsel, but you have given us your mind so that we could take the next step. And as with the Corinthian church, they had all kinds of problems. So do we. But Lord, you have already made it known to us. We didn't get it on our own, but you've made it known to us that you want to be there to guide us, to direct us in every possible way. Thank you for equipping us with these things. Thank you for providing them so that we can indeed live for you and live a life that's worth living. Lord, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Go with God and be a blessing to someone else.